Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for November 6th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. On Instagram, everything sports betting relating at ETOF21Sports underscore for fantasy football at ETOF21Sports underscore fantasy and for horse racing at ETOF21Sports underscore horse underscore racing. How is everyone doing today? Nice little day at the office yesterday. God, what did we get? 8U or something? We hit Cleveland plus the 6, Cleveland money line, Blazers minus the 3.5, Spurs minus the 3.5. Um, lost the Grizz, and we hit BC in college. Loaded day today. Picks have been sent out. We got the Breeders' Cup today. We got NFL tomorrow. Thank you for Gino Bacala having me on his podcast. We go through every NFL game. And then thank you for Gino and Better Than Vegas for having me on Sunday mornings where we go through the NFL slate and give some betting tips. Really enjoyed doing that. Um, and then also bully the line on myself every Friday. We're going to have like a 10, 15 minute show. Just give out two picks. Nothing fancy. Just just rifle through them because we know you guys are on the move. Saturday morning can, with all the action can be a little hard to sit down and listen to an hour-long pregame. So that's kind of everything I have going on. Thanks for tuning in. You know, we have a great show today. Uh, Dylan, DC underscore sports guy comes on. Him and I talk some NBA. Crazy week in the association. We do a little college football preview. And then Brandon comes on for our last NASCAR talk of the season. Um, You know, really appreciate Brandon. Got to know him over this year. Consider him a friend. Um, He's come out. Come on every week, give out NASCAR. So yeah, great little show. But before we jump into all that, you know, I want to talk a little sports betting, little Thursday night football, a little NFL news, and um, some fantasy football stuff. So first things, let's jump into the sports betting. Guys, you know, so basically how everything is going down is I'll be giving free picks of the NBA during the week. Football is still a premium play service. That's just the way it is, and that's just the way it's going to be. I may throw a free play in for the Thursday night games, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the way everything is going in terms of the sports betting and everything. It's kind of funny, like, (laughs) Thursday was my first losing day all week, and, um, you know, no one sends, hey, nice hit on blah, 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 nice hit on blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, nice hit on the Jets. I, I, I called the Jets money line last week. I had two people saying, hey, nice hand the Jets. Hey, I parlayed the Jets and Saints together, like you said. You know, two people. I had 25 people hit me up with messages bitching about how I lost the first half under in the Jets game. And that's just the way it is, like, when you do what I do. You know, no, no props for the wins, but a lot of bitches for the losses. But that's part of the game. And, hey, at the end of the day, I'm making money. I'm helping you make money. And that's what it's all about. Um, Thursday night game. So this is one of the things you guys need to know when Vegas lays these traps and some Vegas lays the traps a lot. And for the novice sports better, it's hard to realize. So they laid the plus 10 and a half for the Jets out with hopes that people would take it. And people did. And you guys need to sometimes look at the bigger picture. Yes, I was on the Jets. Well, I was on the Jets last week. Perfect fade situation for the Bengals coming off a big win. They have the Browns tomorrow. And it was just a situational spot. You're placing a quarterback who was decent in college. He could throw the ball around. He's competent. But the Bengals had no film on him. 
Now, week two, he's the quarterback, Mike White, is going on a short week to the Colts. Colts now have game film on somebody, which the Bengals didn't have. And it was just one of those perfect situations. And that's what I looked at. And that's why I still cared from playing the Jets. Because you guys love, I know, playing those dogs. And then you look, teams that are favored by seven or more, 60%. 60% in the history of Thursday Night Football? I was like, Jesus Christ, there's no way I can lay, I can take this number. And I hate laying double digits in the NFL. That's why it was a pure stay away for me. I played the first half under because both the teams are bottom seven in pace. So that was kind of my thought process in terms of the Thursday night football, in terms of sports bets, sports betting, why I played it. What the what the play I played the play I played was the first half under and why I didn't take any side. So sometimes it's important when we bet. We just gotta kinda look back and kinda analyze, hey, is this a trap? Are the books send, sending a trap? And sometimes when we just kind of sit back and think, then kind of everything makes sense. So that's why I didn't fall for the trap that was set Thursday. Now let's dive into our build for the slate of game Sunday for DFS. Now we've been doing we've been doing pretty good on this. So let's kind of dive into a quarterback position. I mean the, the Browns are giving up 20, what is it? 22.1 points per game to the quarterback position. I mean, Burrow scored, I believe, at least 20 points every single game, and that's what we want. We want a quarterback that is going to be scoring 20 points a game. By playing Burrow, we'll get a piece of Jamar Chase, who has a great matchup against this Cleveland Browns secondary, which is 23rd, I believe, in DVOA, and God only knows if Denzel Ward is going to play. I love this game. I think this game has a potential to shoot out and be a little bit higher scoring than people realize. So what we're going to do is we're going to lock in Joe Burrow at 6,800. Now we're going to go down to the running back position. Now looking at teams that give up the most production, I don't want... Eckler is way too much money. I already gave out Burrow 6,800. I love Eckler this week. He's got a great matchup. Uh, The Lions are on by. The Chargers play the Eagles. You can't trust the Eagles with anything. Like, there's no Miles Sanders. He's out. Gainwell's non-existent. God only knows what's going on with their backfield. If they would commit to one back, I would be all in here. But, you know, I just can't I just can't do anything there. Um, Dolphins, Texans. Ravens play the uh, Vikings. Cook at 7,700. That is very, very tempting. Um, Falcons, Raiders. Raiders play the Giants. We really don't know what's going on in the COVID situation with the Giants. Devontae Booker is $5,900. You know what? This is barring any major injuries to the offensive line and everything. We're going to lock in Devontae Booker. I hate Booker. But the Raiders are giving up 23.3 points per game. Booker's going to be the lead back. Barkley's definitely out. I think this game is going to be a little bit more competitive than people realize with everything that's going on with the Raiders. Even if the Giants have COVID injury, COVID situations, I think they're going to be committed to running the ball and looking to get the ball um, on the ground because they have so many injuries to their playmakers. Now let's look at the wide receiver position. Um, Titans are on Monday Night Football, which sucks. 
but the Dolphins are giving up the third most points. They're giving up 35.57 points to wide receivers. And guess who is back in the quarterback position? That is right for the Texans, my boy, Tyrod Taylor. So that would lead me to Brendan Cooks. Unfortunately, Cooks is insanely priced up to $6,100, which I flipping hate. So I'm not going to look there. Cowboys, they give up some points. Cowboys give up over 34 points. I want to find someone who's a little bit of a lower budget option here. Um, so let's look at Russell Gage. Russell Gage is at 44 you know, I kind of like him, 4,900, down game last game. He's going to be under owned. So let's put in Russell Gage at the wide receiver position. Tight end, Kelsey's down to $7,000. He's going to be so under owned in the cash games. We're just going to lock in Kelsey. He's shit the bed two weeks in a row. And because of that, he's going to be under owned. And that's why I fucking love him even more because he's going to be 2% honed. He's going to put up 20 points. So that's going to be the build. Russell Gage, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Booker. And Joe Burrow. If stuff changes in terms of my fantasy build, you know, I will let you guys know. But that's what I'm going to be rolling out in cash games. And again, cash games, that's what you want to play. You want to play cash games. My one lineup against your one lineup. These guys that use their optimizer that put out 50 lineups in one contest, that doesn't fucking impress me. That tells me you're a hack and don't know what the fuck you're doing. But that's it for the DFS build. Now, before we jump into the show and bring our guest on, I just want to talk about like some stuff that's going on in the NFL. One, I can't fathom this Henry Ruggs situation. I mean, to have a car going 156 miles an hour coming at you, I, I just can't even fucking fathom that. And for him to get behind the car, when the NFL, this is what the NFL has, and this is what most people don't realize. The NFL, each team has a service. You call them, they'll come pick you up. Now, most players won't do that because they're afraid that word will get back to the organization that they're out doing what, this, and the other thing. So they won't use it. But the NFL also has a thing where they will come pick you up, no questions asked. You can be in the middle of bumblefuck, and the NFL will come and pick you up. I have a friend, a close friend, used to play in the NBA. He's won multiple NBA championships, still works for an NBA organization. Him and I have gone out multiple times, and he gives me a piece of paper with a card on it. It says, if we get separated, you call this number, and they will get you. And they will be there for you to make sure like you don't do anything stupid. Now, I'm not a big drinker anymore, and I kind of did some investigating in it. Well, you know, the next day, you know, I was like, dude, what was up with that? And I found out that, like, dude, like, all these associations, like the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, they, all the leagues have these numbers that you call if you're out, and they will come get you, no questions asked, and they will put you in a good situation. And it's just too bad that he didn't do that. And it's awful that a young lady lost her life. And I just... Especially when his friend died of a car accident. And he always looks up and puts the number three because one of his good friends died of a car accident. And for him to get behind the wheel was just awful. And I can't believe he did it. Um, in terms of the Aaron Rodgers thing, look, uh, 
you can choose to be vaccinated or not vaccinated. That's your personal choice. I honestly, I don't care what you do. Your body, your choice. I can say I'm vaxxed. I got the Pfizer last year. You know, I that's what I elected to do. I got the Pfizer and, you know, I've had a couple of my good friends elected not to get vaxxed. You know, are we still friends? Yes. <laughs> are we still good friends? Yes. It's their choice. It's their body. But they were up front with me and they told me that. Now, if Rogers was up front with everyone in the organization, that's fine. You know, I really don't care. But if he was coming to practice and me was misleading the people in that locker room, then I have an issue with it. And unfortunately, we don't know that because he's saying that everyone knew and no one on Green Bay has really came out and said if they knew or not. So that's kind of what's my thought on the two big stories of the NFL. So, yeah, so we have a great show today. So let's jump right into it. Okay, it's that time of the show. We're going to shift our attention over to NBA and college basketball. We're going to focus on NBA first. So, of course, he's starting to become a regular. Dylan, a.k.a. DC underscore sports guy from Instagram is coming on. Dylan, how you doing this lovely Friday? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? You know what? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, it's... I'm starting to dive into basketball a little bit more, and that's always been my my first love. College is going to be starting up. Where you and I are going to do a little college preview. So, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I love this time of year, dude. Football and basketball. This is when I thrive, man. Um, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Nothing better than uh, watching college uh, football, basketball, and then uh, NFL and the NBA. So, we talked about the Celtics last week, and oh my god. Like, what the hell, dude? Like, they're playing, it was, I forget, I think it was the Monday night. Was it Monday? It was either Monday or Wednesday. They were playing the Bulls, and they were up 14 points entering the third quarter. No, at the end of the third quarter. And then they scored nine points No, in, in the fourth quarter to lose by four points to become the first team now, this isn't something you want to brag about. The first team in NBA history to be entering the fourth quarter, winning by 14, and then lose the game by 14. Oh, that's awful. They And I was wrong. It was 11 points. They got outscored 39-11, to 11, held a players-only meeting after the, after the game before they played the Orlando Magic, was it? Yep, before they played the Orlando Magic, um, they ended up winning that game. What, I mean, what can we take about with the Celtics team? I mean, after that, they did beat the Magic. They did beat the Heat last night, 95-78. to I mean, do you think this was just, just kind of an in-the-road hiccup? Or, I mean, what, what can the Celtics team do? Like, realistically, with what they have, is this like a top six, five, six seed? Is this a playing team or like what, what, what's going on? I think this team is going to be a playing team. Um, I seriously have my doubts about this team and them being a top five seed. Um, I, I think there's really three things to blame. Jason Tatum not having starting caliber point guard and then the lack of leadership, um, when you have your superstar in Tatum shooting under 40% from the field, you are going to lose most games. That's just how it is. 
And I really think this team needs to shake it up, whether that's adding a point guard like John Wall, like I said on last episode, or just adding another superstar. I feel like this team needs an enormous shakeup, and uh, and nothing will change if they don't. Now, do you think, because Marcus Smart came out afterwards and he was like, hey, there's nothing I can do if I'm just standing in the corner. And then after that game, Tatum and Brown both refused to talk to the media. Like, to me, I don't know if, t- if those three guys can coexist. I agree. Yeah. Now, hindsight being 2020, let's say they didn't make the trade for Kyrie. Do you think this team would be in a better position or a worse position than, than they are now? Ooh, that's a tough one. Hmm. I, I would say that they wouldn't be in a better position because I feel like they've had so many opportunities at draft picks trying to, like, nail the draft picks. But once in a while, you just have to take a chance and swing for the fences with a star like a Kyrie Irving. Uh, and I really don't think they would have been able to win like a finals game or win win a series nonetheless with Isaiah Thomas. He he was great and all for the Celtics, but he had that hip injury. His career kind of declined after he got traded from the Celtics. I don't really know how much to, it is to blame on the fact that he left the Celtics or it's his injury, but I really believe that it was his injury that hindered him from having a successful career so I really don't think they would have been in a a better position because they would have had to swing the fences for another star and there really wasn't a better star on the market than Kyrie Irving but they would still have Rozier though you know what I mean Rozier moving was one of the pieces so I mean you would have that point guard in Rozier you would have Marcus Smart you would have um Brown and um Tatum would Rogier at point, would he be enough? Or in your eyes, is Rogier just like a rotational, like, six, seven man off the bench? Yeah, I think on a championship team, he's he's definitely not going to be your starting point guard unless every other position in your starting five is filled with, like, an all-star or borderline all-star player. I really think that even if they did land Rogier, he would be a, he would be a great upgrade at point guard, but they're really lacking that leadership like a player who's going to provide that leadership. And I don't think Rozier would provide that. Yeah, because he forced his way out because he, he was pissed. He felt he wasn't, like, being used enough. So, you know, they had, like, a little plethora of players. And as crazy as it sounds, I I think this window on Boston, I think it's already closed, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think, like, oh, yeah. they mm-hmm. – they 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 had their chance they had their window and i i think it's closed right now and the nba you have to learn to win i mean there's all these cra- crazy athletic freaks in the league that can do stuff that no one can even imagine like with a basketball shooting a basketball driving to the basketball but in crunch time you have to learn to win i really feel like Game six, Giannis compared to game five, Giannis was completely different because in game five and game four, he had to learn to win. And by making clutch shots, that what we saw in game six when he's like making three throws and scoring 50 points, I felt he learned to win. I really feel that Tatum and Brown, they don't know how to win. I agree. I think they, 
they just try to fill up the stat sheet, which is not what you're supposed to be doing when you're trying to win. Obviously, like that helps when you have good stats, but you have to get your teammates involved, and you have to be a leader out on the court. You're not going to uh, help rise the level of play by taking all the shots away from players like a Romeo Langford or a guy like Aaron Neesmith, who were both highly touted um, NBA draft prospects. So I really think it comes down to them not having a leader and Tatum and Brown kind of being a ball hog, like you mentioned, with uh, Marcus Smart's comments. Now, along the line with the Celtics, you look back at it, 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 Anthony Davis didn't want to go there because of how they dicked Isaiah Thomas. Mm -hmm. Do you think that stigma of players not wanting to go to Boston is still there? Or do you think because there's a new regime in the front office, it's, it's gone? I think man, that's a tough one because I know everyone loved Isaiah Thomas back in Boston. The, fan, the fans were kind of, the fans were upset that they had to see him go. But if you're the Celtics, you had to make that move. And I, if I were the Celtics, I at that time I personally wouldn't care if like a player was like, "Oh, I'm not going there because you trade Isaiah Thomas." They had to make that move. And I mean, you could say that they didn't win that trade because Kyrie or no one won that trade because Kyrie ended up leaving. But theoretically, they ended up winning that trade because they got an upgrade over Isaiah, an injured Isaiah Thomas, whose career completely fell off a cliff after he left Boston. But that was kind of due to that hip injury, man. Like he gave he gave his soul, dude. Like I mean, he, he was out he there did. with a broken hip. He was out there like the day after his sister died in a car accident, and. I just feel like, dude, he gave that like team so much, and he w mm -hmm. it wasn't like he was looking for a super max, you yeah. know, like just pay the man a, a little bit of money, you know what I mean, for everything that he gave. And I just, I don't know, like I just kind of feel like that stigma is still there, and it's gonna take a little while to get off because Anthony Davis, his dad, flat out said, "Hey, my son's not going here because of how you guys treated Isaiah Thomas," and I still think like. Because Isaiah was so loved, his story and everything, I, I still think that's there, and it's going to be hard for them to attract those free agents. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. But at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, and the Celtics had to do what was best for the team. Even though you know Kyrie ended up leaving, Kyrie was an upgrade over Isaiah Thomas, unfortunately. And it, it stinks because, I mean, you see – how much the fans in the city and the team rallied around Isaiah Thomas, but the injury just really messed him up, and he was damaged goods at that point. Now, Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum are boys, and I really think that something that could work, what would you think about a Brown for Beal trade? Mm, that's tough, because I see Jalen Brown as, like, a pretty similar to close player to a, a Bradley Beal. I really wouldn't see an enormous upgrade. And honestly, I mean, that's that's tough because both Tatum and Beal are not these great defenders, while Brown is a very, very strong defender. So I really think the team would probably lose more games than they already are. I really don't think that would solve anything. If you're going to do anything, I would try and trade the surrounding pieces and add a third guy to the big two already because I feel like Tatum and Brown play well off each other. Now, do you think Tatum and Brown like each other? 
I think so. Um, I think that they both realize that they have to, that they, um, that they're the most talented players on the team, and they're both going to have to put up shots. I mean, they obviously should shouldn't be putting up the shots if they're struggling. But I think that they realize that in order for them to succeed, both of them have to step up and play extremely well. So I feel like I feel like they they like each other, but I I have no idea. I mean, I'm not in the locker room, so. Now, on top of that, the other iconic franchise is the Los Angeles Lakers. And, oh my god, dude, they blew another fucking lead last night to out of any team, the OKC Thunder, to lose 104-107. to They were outscored 35-24 to in the fourth quarter to lose by three. Mm-hmm. And I... I saw this clip online. Now, granted, it was Jay Williams from ESPN, and I'm not the biggest Jay Williams fan. He yeah, said yeah. that he has young players in the, in the league telling him they're not scared of this Lakers team. And I'm just kind of like, well, when you're rolling out a front court of DeAndre Jordan and Carl the like, Carmelo Anthony, who can't play defense. You know what I mean? Why would you? You know what I mean? Like, this team can't defend. So, of course, if you're a young, fast, athletic guy, you wouldn't be scared of them. Um, LeBron is out for a week with an abdominal strain. I mean, is there any hope for this team with if LeBron's not there? Uh, no, if LeBron is not there, they, they won't go very far. Even And they might not even make the playoffs, to be completely frank. Um like you mentioned, they got a bunch of old guys. So, like you said, when players, young players, are not going to be afraid of attacking a washed—I shouldn't say washed up—but um, an older Carmelo Anthony. I mean, Carmelo wasn't was never the greatest defender, but he could at least give you forty points on a good night. Which I mean, he's been playing great for his age right now, but he he can't give you that forty points like he did. And DeAndre Jordan is completely washed up. So I really. Uh, I really think that, like you said, that the young guys and teams are not afraid of them because they're rolling out such old lineups. I mean, this is, listen to this. DeAndre Jordan, 14 minutes. Bazemore, 22. Westbrook, 34. Davis, 38. Bradley Beal and Carmelo, 31. Reeves, 22. Rondo, 15. Monk, 13. Ellington eight, Howard seven. Now, I'm li- and then you look at the plus minuses. Guess who had the worst plus minus? DeAndre Jordan. Nope. Anthony Davis, negative fourteen. Really? I mean, that's wow. just mind boggling to me, man. Like, and I mean, he had 29, 18, and five. 11 for twenty, seven for nine, zero for one for the three. Like, I mean, this team. You can say what you want about Kuzma and Pope and those guys, but those were some young-ass wing defenders that would get into it. Mm -hmm. And you trade that for Westbrook. And don't get me wrong, Westbrook was a pit bull, but he's on the downslope of his career. You got got, um, nothing from this team. You got Austin Reeves, like, logging 22 minutes. You know what I mean? Like... Austin freaking Reeves, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Austin Reeves is in the, is playing 22 minutes in the NBA. Just let that sit in. 
Ish. Austin flipping Reeves. You know what I mean? Like that's the state yeah. of the Lakers right now. And I yeah. just yeah. this lineup sucks, dude. I don't know what like I don't know what they're gonna do. Like this is gonna take more of a superhuman effort from LeBron than people realize. I think. Yeah, that's why I think they're really being precautionary with LeBron. So like, if he says, "Oh, this hurts," or "I'm not feeling so great," "I'm not feeling myself," they're gonna be like, "Okay, you can rest. We want you to be a hundred percent." Because listen, LeBron's getting up there in age. He can't sustain his great track record of staying healthy for most of most seasons, um, if not all of them before the last couple of seasons. So I really, I really think. Uh, that this team is basically screwed if they can't find a way for uh, some of their older guys to step up on defense and give more energy and effort because, like you said, they're playing Austin Reeves because he's young and he can give energy and he can play good defense. I mean, that is why they're playing in Austin Reeves. And to be completely honest, when you said that Ken Bazemore played 22 minutes, I cringed. I mean, that, that I really don't even think that guy should be in the NBA anymore. He's he's so bad. I mean, it's honestly mind-boggling to me, like what they're doing and everything. And it just, yeah, it just blows my mind. I mean, they legitimately. You look at their schedule right now. Let me pull up their schedule. They just lost to the OKC Thunder last night. Um, they their next game they're at Portland on Saturday. Home against the Hornets, Wednesday, home against the Heat, and then Friday, home against the Timberwolves. So, I mean, right there, they're staring at four games, Blazers, Hornets, Heat, and Wolves, with only the Blazers being on the road. That's a realistically an 0-4 trip right there. 0-4. You know, I mean, yeah, so, and with how stockpiled the West is, I know, I know it's crazy, like, this. To say this, we're talking about seedings, and we're only in November, and most teams haven't played four, haven't played ten games. But these are the type of games, like when the season gets to the end, and you look up, and they're like the seventh seed, and they have to go play Golden State. This this is when stuff can be a little dicey for them. Um, and with the West, you know, Utah's six and one, Warriors six and one, Mavs five and three, Memphis five and three. All those top four teams that that those are tough places to get a win on the road, and when you factor it, going to be five times as loud in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Lakers are in a little bit more trouble than you know I initially realized at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I would one hundred one hundred percent agree. If I'm a Lakers fan, I'm still holding out hope because Russell Westbrook in the second half of the season, we all know that he's going to be a different player. That's just who he is. He always struggles in the first half and turns around, turns it around after two or three months or so, and you start to realize how everyone thinks he's such a great player still, but he's just he's he's really good. But he he'll be playing on like an absurd level. And then if I were a Lakers fan, I would also hold out hope for. Uh, the Lakers being very active at the trade deadline and in the buyout market. That's where a lot of teams can turn around a season is in the buyout market because there will be some players, maybe even a Kevin Love-type player, that will come out, come free on the buyout market, get him for cheap, and he'll play really well. Yeah, I just, I mean, how can I say this? I, I just am not buying the Lakers. I don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy, but I am yeah. not buying the Lakers at all. Um, now, one of the talking points that we discussed 
was yesterday was Cade Cunningham's struggles. His first game, 18 minutes, 2.7 boards, 2 assists, 1 of 8 shooting, 0 of 5 from the 3-point land. Next game, played 29 minutes, 6 points, 2 boards, 3 assists, 2 of 14 shooting, shooting 0 of 9 from beyond the arc. Now, last night, you know what? He looked more the part. 31 minutes, 18 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, 417. The big thing was he was able to get to, to the free throw line, 9 of 20, but he's still struggling with his shot. He's only, He was 1 of 7, so that means on the year, he is literally 1 for 21 from beyond the arc. Um, definitely needs to improve that three-point shooting, but as a Pistons fan, I was starting to get a little bit worried but he looked more confident. Now, let's project this A for the year and B in three years. Like in a couple, go like month by month. Like like in a month, where do you see K? Do you still see him like putting this production or what can we expect from him? Oh, I, I see massive improvement in a month or two because we all know that young players tend to struggle with efficiency as well as turnovers. And that was one of my concerns with Cade coming in the year was the the lack of awareness sometimes with the ball. He was a bit sloppy. Um, But the real true indicator for me is that his free throw percentage is at almost 92%. That's great for any player in the NBA. That's a really good clip to be shooting at free throws at. So I would expect him to be still on track to be this all-star player that many people think he can be. And now, in three years from now, is he going to be, where is he going to be? Like, give me a player comparison three years from now, who's Cade Cunningham? Mm, that's a tough one. I would say he he reminds me a lot of a, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay. Okay. Now, is this somebody that can lead Detroit A- to the playoffs and be to a a playoff series victory. I definitely think he can lead them to a playoffs. I mean, I think he would, he needs help though. He really needs help if you really want him to help um carry your team to a, a playoff uh, series victory. Okay. All right. So there is a little hope for my Pistons. That's what you're saying. Yes. No. I do think Kate is going to be a very good player and an All Star player. Like I said, comparing him to Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I view very highly of, I just don't think he's going to be this top three to top five player in the league like some people think he could have been coming out of college. Okay. All right. Now, one of the surprise teams, and I mean, I'll be honest, when they added Marketing, I was like, "What the fuck is this team doing?" You know, because like it just. You know, like, defensively, like, it's just a lot of questions. But, dude, you know, son of a bitch, dude. The Cleveland Clavs, dude, they're 5-4. and four, And when you look at their schedule, like, this is the thing. Like, they really haven't played at home that much. You know, they've, you know, they, they've played a lot of games on the road. And once they, like, get a home stretch starting on the 10th, I think this team is going to be able to rattle off like like some wins, you know. So I I've been really impressed with them. You know, you were I'll give you credit where credit is due. You were a little bit higher. You're actually a little bit. What am I talking about? You were a lot higher on Mobley 
than I am. I love Jared Allen. I think those two are co- coexisting greatly. And the two young playmakers in the backfield, the backfield, what am I talking, thinking football, <laughs> excuse me, of um, Garland and uh, Saxton are playing good. Brian, Ricky Rubio for a little veteran leadership. And I mean, he's been playing great. What, what say you about this team? Yeah, so for the Cavs, it starts and ends with Evan Mobley. To many, he's the current frontrunner for rookie of the year, and for good reason. He's shown an ability to defend multiple def- uh, excuse me, positions, and he also can, like you said, can coexist with Jared Allen, but not only can he coexist with Jared Allen, he can also coexist with Larry Markkinen, and they've rolled out lineups with all three of them in the same lineup, and they've succeeded. So I really think that this team could be a playing team being like a 7th or 8th seed type team because they have an identity and that identity is defense. They currently have the 7th best defensive rating in the entire NBA. And it's frustrating to me because like what I saw in them I thought I was going to get from my Pistons. You know what I mean? Like so it's a Mm -hmm. little... It's a little frustrating, but you know what? I am pleasantly surprised, and it just kind of shows you, like, one of the guys I really thought could have made a real impact on some teams last year was a Ricky Rubio. You know, in terms of, like, you know, not necessarily, like, being the quote-unquote dude, but just kind of, like, you know, being the guy to, like, come in, you like, just, like, help the younger guys, make sure everyone's in the right position, was him, and I mean, I think he's doing it with this uh, with this team. Now, granted, you know, he was a negative thirty three in their first game, but you take that out, you know, he's been his plus minus on the year is flipping insane. So, uh, I just I I just think like a veteran point guard that can come off the bench and just kind of make sure everyone's in check is just something that's just like priceless in this league. Um. Yeah, he sets a great example for the young guys on this team, like you said. Now, in terms of, do so you think this team could be a playoff, uh, not a, a play-in team, excuse me? Yeah, I definitely think they can be a play-in team. Because, I mean, they went to the Hornets, knocked off your boy, Ball's team, 113-111, backed it up by beating the Blazers at home. Now, tonight, they're at the Raptors, and they go to your team, the Knicks. Um, out of those two teams, games, what do you think they're going to do? I think that they, ooh, that's, that's tough. I think that they'll probably beat the Raptors. I really like how their front court depth opposed to the lack of front court depth, depth that the uh, Raptors provide. So I see that being a win. And I think the Knicks game is going to be a great game. I think that's going to be, um, if, if Randall can't, is, gets a, Clamped up by Evan Mobley, I, the the Cavaliers could pull that game off and win that one too. Which would be great, dude. I would love that, man. God, this team has me excited. And I'll I'll be the first to admit when I was wrong, totally wrong about this team. This team way better oh, yeah, than a hundred percent. I I guarantee that most NBA spectators and um, even GMs around the league were probably weren't probably thinking like this team could be this good. Now, the last team we're going to talk about is the team that, I don't know, like, last year they caught the league by surprise, 
having the best record in the Western Conference, they fizzled out in the second round, the Utah Jazz, are now, when you look at the Jazz this year, now granted they've only played eight games, is this going to be the same exact thing as last year? Great regular season team, but hey, when it comes to the playoffs, they're just going to struggle and they're going to lose early? Or do you think this team, with how they're built, could sustain a drive? Until the Jazz have a clear-cut number two star on their team, I don't think they'll win a title. Like, I'm sorry, but Mike Conley can't be the second-best option on a championship team. He's a, he's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but Donovan Mitchell can only carry you so far, you know? And the Jazz have improved their depth, which is something I will say that could take them maybe a bit further, but maybe, I mean, excuse me, Probably not a titles appearance. So until they find that second star, I really wouldn't expect them to win a title. Now, I just got an alert that former Jazz point guard Darren Williams is going to be boxing on the undercard of the next Jake Paul fight, which is kind of funny because we're just kind of coming in. Um, Yeah, like the Jazz, like I just, I like Quinn Snyder a lot, but I think you could like, in playoff basketball, playoff basketball is all about defending the pick and roll. And can you, do you have guys that can defend multiple positions? Um, Gobert, dude, you put him in the pick and roll. He's like on skates. He can't do anything. And it just kind of stinks because he is like such a good shot blocker, such a good rebounder. But I just really feel like counting on him and paying him so much money this team can't compete and they they can't win. They may win a playoff series, may make it to the the Western Conference Finals, but I think that's the ceiling for them. So Yeah, I would definitely agree. Okay. So now we just finished our NBA talk. So now, you know, we're going to shift our attention and we're going to start talking about college basketball. College basketball, I love college basketball. It's going to be starting November 9th, so I believe, what is that? That's Tuesday of this upcoming week. There is, what is it called, the kickoff classic, the basket. You know, it's one of those classics. I don't know if you remember, but they used to do this thing on ESPN, 24 Hours of Hoops. Do you remember that? No, I I don't remember that, no. So it would start at like, like midnight at Hawaii. Then there'd be like another West Coast team playing at like, 2 a.m., another team playing at, like, 4 a.m., but then you'd get, like, a Drexel against a Northeastern at 6 a.m., and, like, there would just be, like, all these random games, and then at 10, you'd get, like, a Clemson. Uh, Like, the teams would slowly start getting, like, bigger later, later in the day, and oh, my God, dude. For a hoop head like me, it was just, like, effing heaven. Um, oh, I would love that. I wish they brought that back. I mean, I think it just got too too hard to coordinate because, like, dude, like, you'd see, like, Eli and Drexel playing at, like, 6 a.m. And you'd be like, there'd be, like, no one there. So, it, I don't know. <laughs> I think it just got a little bit too, uh, too complicated. Um, I'm looking. Okay. It starts November 9th. I mean, we got Villanova is going to be playing Mount St. Mary's. Ohio State's going to be playing Akron. Um, these are just kind of the ranked teams. Uh, St. Bonnie's 23. They're going to be in action. Purdue, who are both high on, is going to be in action. 
But the big stuff is, isn't that the day that they have the, um, God, what's the name of the, you know, they always have like the ESPN, like kickoff classic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like State Farm Classic, maybe I want to say. Yeah. The State Farm Classic. Kansas is going to be playing Michigan State. And the other game is going to be Duke against Kentucky. Um, so the thing for this is we both are going to kind of be talking about a couple teams we're a little bit high on. I'll, since you're the guest, I'll let you kick it off. What's a team you're high on? All right. So one of the teams that I'm very high on that is unranked by many people is the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Although they got rid of, or excuse me, I shouldn't say got rid of, uh, Chris Beard, their head coach, left. Uh, they still brought back some impactful players like Terrence Shannon Jr. and Marcus Santos Silva. And Terrence Shannon Jr. is one of the players that I'm very high on this year. He's a guy that had some fantastic performances as a sophomore last season and was considered by many to be a projected first-round pick early on in the season. One of his flaws that people said after his freshman season was that he couldn't shoot the three ball. What do you do? He he went up in three-point percentage by 10% in his sophomore season. So he went from being about a 26% three-point uh, three shooter to being about a 36% three-point shooter, which is great. And I see room for even more growth. And I think he could end up being one of those wooden award uh, finalists at the end of the year. Now, one of the teams I like is BYU. Now, as crazy as it sounds, I think this is the year BYU could potentially knock off Gonzaga in the West Tournament. I mean, every year that it's those two are Mount St. Mary's, and they're just, they have experience. Their out-of-conference schedule is insane, so they're going to be tough going in to the West. Um, and they just, they and they have experienced guards, and that's something I always look for in a college basketball team, have experienced guards, and that's what they have. And I really think come March Madness, when the, the court shrinks, the possessions become more viable, and you guys that aren't going to turn over the ball, I love this BYU team. What's another team that you, uh, that you like, my friend? I really love the Michigan Wolverines this year. Uh, M- Michigan... Although they are a top 10 team, they're towards the back half of the top 10, which I think is absolutely absurd. Not only do they bring back many impactful players from last season, including Hunter Dickinson, who is one of the Wooden Award finalists, they brought in a couple of uh, top 20 college basketball prospects in Caleb Houston, and I'm blanking on the other guy's name right now, but this team is absolutely loaded. I really think that they could make another big run like they did last year. And if it weren't for Isaiah Livers being injured last season, I think the Michigan Wolverines could have won the entirety of March Madness considering how Brandon Jones Jr. stepped up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i a huge Michigan State guy, and I agree with you. I mean, it pains me to say that. It absolutely pains me to say that, but I could totally, totally see that happening. Um, another team that I'm, I'm high on and I'm excited and I'm intrigued and everyone loves those sleepers guys come March Madness is University of Milwaukee. They're not University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee anymore. They're just Milwaukee. 
And that's because of the freshman sensation that is coming in to play for them. Patrick Baldwin, he's coming to play with his dad. Top five freshman prospect, going to be a one and done, going to be an NBA um, first, what, top 10, top seven pick. And Milwaukee's returning, like, experience and talent around him. And I really think, like, this team is going to struggle at the beginning just because it's a young guy with an older, you know what I mean? It's a coach's son who's a freshman, who's your best player. But I think because he is such a team player and everything, once they gel toward the end of the conference season, this is going to be a dangerous little team. It's going to get in 12th in the NCAA tournament. And I could easily see this team, if Baldwin's as good as I think he is, make a run on Baldwin's shoulder with a bunch of older upperclassmen. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think they could end up being, like, remember how Murray State was with John Morant, mm-hmm. where they ups- had a huge upset against Marcus Howard and Marquette a couple of years back? I think they could be a similar team to that. Yeah, which would be awesome. I, I love to see it. And it's great because they're right up the road for me, so I'm definitely going to be catching it. There's something called the Milwaukee Double. And the Milwaukee double is when you go to a Marquette game during the day, and then you go to a Bucks game at night. And that's fun, you know, because they both play at the Pfizer, which is right there. So I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, maybe have to do one with Milwaukee because Milwaukee, the Panthers stadium, is right next to Pfizer. So I may have to check check that out. Um, what is the third team that you're high on? Another team that I'm really high on is a team that I was really high on entering last season, and it was the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, Alabama really stunned a lot of people, but I, I did my research on them last season. They they had a ton of talent, including Javon Quinterly, who played like the player he was supposed to be at Villanova. And Quinterly's back now. Shackleford's also back. And now they added a top 20 uh high school recruit in J.D. Davidson, who is an athletic freak and could dunk all over people. I really like this team. I think Nate Oates is a fantastic head coach, and I wouldn't be surprised if they play to a uh, top three or four seed again this year. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, Oates is really starting to come in their zone. And the way they play, like, it's just the way that they play the game is fun to watch. He's going to get kids there. And, like, and a, on a hot, shitty night, they can easily beat anybody. Um, my third team is the Texas Longhorns. I love Chris Bird. Um, they're basically returning everybody. They did lose some size up front. I mean, so, so that's a little bit concerned. We'll be able to get the, the key rebounds in, in key moments. But... Once there's an elephant in the room with a team, and I really feel there was with Shaka Smart not being able to get out of the first round. And don't get me wrong. I think Shaka's a great coach. I think he's going to go up to Marquette, and I think he's going to get that program to where Wojciechowski never was able to. I think they're going to go back to being a perennial top 25 program with Shaka there. But I just kind of feel like at Texas, you know, it just never really clicked, and the style of ball Shaka wants to play, Texas, like those, you know what I mean? Like it was just like a styles match because it was a big market team and you just couldn't get those junkyard dogs. With Bird, Bird's going to play more that is more comfortable in his brand of basketball playing with one of the big major five conference, major power schools, if that makes sense. Um, I would 100% agree with that. I think Shaka, 
needs a team that's all committed on the defensive end and has those guys, like you said, junkyard dogs, guys that are scrappy and guys that maybe they don't have the big name, but they certainly have a ton of fight in them. Now, what is the last team that you're in on? Another team that I really like that had a complete down year last year is the UNC Tar Heels. The Tar Heels are returning guys like Caleb Love and Armando Baycott, who I think will have great seasons this year. And I think that I, the new head co- having a new head coach in Hubert Davis could be a huge change for them. And I, I, can expe- I would expect uh, Armando Baycott to take a big leap this year, especially with all the muscle he added. And he's in much better shape than he was um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think Hubert's a great guy. I think that's a great, like, a great hire. I think he's going to come in and he's going to, you know, kind of be able to relate to the kids a little bit better than um, old Roy was. I really think, like, Roy was at the, uh, I don't want to say end of the road, but the end of the road. Um, The last team, and for those gamblers listening, this is the one future I have locked in. Jayhawks 16-1. Bill Self likes to have the dual point guards, which he finally has. They have a good mix of youth and experience. They can rebound the ball. My only worry about them is when you need a shot maker, who is the shot maker? Like, you know what I mean? Because there's going to be that time in the freaking, uh, like, late in wherever. I don't know where the regional finals are, but they need that shot against like a pesky Oregon team or a pesky Michigan State team. Who's going to be the guy that takes that shot? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, they don't really have that true closer, but they do have three guys who I think can take the final shot and have the have great ability to get open, and those three guys are Remy Martin, uh, Okai Baji, and Jalen Wilson. Obviously, Jalen Wilson will not be playing for the first couple of games this season after being suspended. But I think all those guys could be viable options to end up um, putting the ball in the basket late in games, even though they don't have necessarily this huge experience of doing that. Okay. All right. Now, in terms of players that you're excited about watching, why don't you tell someone some players you're excited about watching? Yeah, so many people know about this guy if you're a basketball fan. And that's Paulo Benchero, the forward from Duke. He's one of the top high school recruits coming into college basketball this season. And he's easily the most talented and NBA-ready freshman, in my opinion. At 6'10", Benchero is a physically dominant uh, forward that could put his back to the basket and score, while also being able to put it on the deck, which is huge for a 6'10 forward his game is very effortless, which is something that I really like because he can drop 20 points without you even knowing. Like, he's he's just that good. I would be shocked if he did not go number one in the 2022 NBA draft. Okay. Now, one guy I'm excited to watch is Chet Holgram, the center from Minnesota that, you know, decided to go out to Gonzaga, which is a little odd, like, seeing the top basketball player in high school going out there. Um you know, he does definitely need to put on some weight, but from the high school stuff that I watched, you know, he's tall, thin, can can shoot, drive. I'm a little excited to see like how he adapts to the college game and if he can he play against guys that are, you know, just a little bit more built them in. Like how yeah. how does he incorporate? I definitely think he he 
he's not going to be a one and done guy just because he's so frail, man. You know what I mean? He's like so just yeah. skin and bones. But yeah, I definitely want to see how his game plays in the uh, in the NBA. Now, Timmy's still there, right? Yes, Timmy is still there. Okay, so yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that. Now, who's yeah, the I really ne- like that front court pairing with Timmy and uh, Holmgren because although Timmy, I think I'm pretty sure he can shoot the ball a little bit. But I think he's much more, much better served with his back to the basket and pushing up guys in on the block, whereas Holmgren can stretch the floor a bit. Now, another guy that you're interested in is who? Um, one guy that I really like this year is Baylor guard Adam Flagler. So after watching most of their March Madness games, um, I came to the conclusion that he's going to be the Next guy in line for the for the Baylor Bears, he could really shoot. Last season, he shot 43% from three, which is an absolutely insane clip for a guy that really doesn't take a high volume of shots. So as, as like a three-point shooter, you need to take more shots to get more in. You, it's very hard to just come in a game, come off the bench, just take a couple of shots and just nail them down. So I I think he can really have a huge jump in scoring. Maybe the efficiency could drop just a tad bit, but I wouldn't expect it to. And he can be he can lead them to being a top ten team again. Mm-hmm. The next guy I'm interested in is Max Christie, the freshman. He's going to be teaming up with Tyson Walker, who's a senior transfer from Northeastern for my boys at Michigan State. Christie, great shooter. You know, and he's been compared to the best wing player the state has had since the Gary Harris days. And for me as a Michigan State fan, I'm effing doing backflips, dude. That's exactly what I freaking love, 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 love to hear. Just because we've been missing that at Michigan State. Like, stuff was high that Rocket Watts was going to, like, take that leap after Winston left. But he just hasn't. And now he's transferred. And I really think, like, you need a guard in the to be able to do stuff and Christie's going to be able to provide something for us state fans that we've missed when Cassius Winston graduated and went on to the NBA. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Now, is there any other players that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah. So I mentioned Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, he's one of those guys, but I'm not going to mention him again. So another guy that I really like, is Javon Quinterly, the guard from Alabama. Quinterly, coming into uh, college, was considered one of the top prospects at, in high school and was a part of Jelly Fan, which many people know. Um, and he really just didn't get any playing time at Villanova like many freshmen do. So he he probably grew frustrated, and then he ended up transferring to Alabama, which was probably one of the best decisions he's ever made. Playing under Nate Oates, has been extremely helpful for him, and he had a great season, um, even with a bunch of guys who needed the ball in their hands, like Jaden Shackelford and John Petty. So now that John Petty's not there, I think he can take a big leap in scoring, and I think that um, he can really help lead this Alabama team to another three or four seed. Okay. All right. I already mentioned Baldwin. I think this kid's going to be electric. I'm really looking forward to that. And Bates, you know, he bailed on my boys at State, you know, 
for whatever reason. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be coached by Todd Izzo. But he just liked it not to go there. And he's getting a lot of comparisons to Kevin Durant. And I'm just kind of excited to see kind of like, you know, what what he does and everything. Like, how does he look? It's going to be interesting to see, like, does he actually stay? Because we we forget Wiseman was there. Wiseman was Hardaway's first big recruit at Memphis. And what did he last? Two and a half games? And then there's like then he left. So it's gonna be interesting to see like what what goes on with him. Um, is there any other teams or players in terms of college you want to touch on before we sign off? Yeah, I'll I'll touch on an, another team, but I also want to touch on Imani Bates. So I think Bates personally wanted to be coached by a guy that was in the NBA, and you see. With Michigan State, the one issue that they've had over the last couple of years is when they've got big recruits, they've stayed a long time. So I think Imani Bates just probably wants to stay for the two years that he has to because he can't um, play this year. He, he has to play both years because he technically isn't old enough to be in the NBA draft after his freshman season. So he's probably going to play both years and then leave, whereas with Michigan State, he might have he might have to stay because – Freshmen usually don't get big playing time for at Michigan State. Yeah, Izzo expects a lot, and it's just kind of like what he does and who he is. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I get why he's not going there, but as a Michigan State fan, I really think him and Christie would have been something special. Oh, that 100% would have been. That would have been really fun to see. Um, Dylan, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday to come on, talk a little hoops. Why don't you tell everybody your social media handles and, you know, what you have planned in terms of posting? Hey, thanks for having me on again, Eric. So what I have planned um, for posting is I, I'm going to be posting my underclassmen and upperclassmen hype list for college basketball, so guys that I'm very high on, kind of like what we touched on today. And you can follow me at DC underscore sports guy on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I post more on Instagram, so that would be the one that I would probably um, want to follow. Awesome, my man. Guys, make sure you're checking Dylan out. Dylan, you have a good weekend. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in your fantasy football matchups. And uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Hey, thank you, Eric. Same to you. So now we're going to shift our attention to NASCAR. And this being the final NASCAR race of the year, I am sad to say, Brandon, welcome to the show for the final time, my friend. We're going to have to find something else that I may be good at because I don't know if I can wait until February to do this again. I mean, I have to thank you. You've taken time out of, you know, your busy schedule to, you know, come on every single week and like drop some knowledge, tell some stories, you know. Denny Hamlin being on SugarDaddy.com, just dropping that tidbit of knowledge. Just He's a hack. He's a hack. <laughs> uh, so the first thing is, what's your reaction to the whole Hamlin press conference about Elliot's fans and everything? That, was, that just seemed a little desperate and weird to me. It was desperate. So if you start with what happened in the race, Bowman did wreck him. I don't think it was anything intentional like Brad did to Chase earlier in the race. Um, Rubin is racing. We have watched Hamlin numerous times do the same thing at the same track. And I'm going to sound biased. He did it to Elliott when he was driving the 24 car. So Martinsville is known for that. 
a bump and run on the last corner, if you don't hold it, sorry. But the fact that you get so upset that you interrupt another driver's celebration by cutting in front of them and then going nose to nose and burning your wheels out and then getting out of the car saying that Bowman's a hack, he runs 10th every week, his teammates outrun him all the time. For those of you that have watched NASCAR for years, I want to drop some knowledge here real quick. One, him when you're wrong, he doesn't run 10th every week. He actually won four races this season. He just beat you. So what you're saying is irrelevant. Two, if you want to talk about a guy that has been outdriven by all of his teammates, Kyle Busch has driven circles around Hamlin. Uh, Tony Stewart drove circles around Hamlin. Uh, Truex has been dominating since he got over there. So for years, Denny Hamlin has been outdriven by all of his teammates. So the fact that this guy wants to say Bowman's getting outdriven every week by his teammates Look who his teammates are, one. Two, you're being outdriven by his same teammates. Larson's winning nine races this year, Hamlin. So I get you're mad, I get you're frustrated, but get out and call him a hack. And then you get to the media center and they ask about fans booing you. And you say, well, Chase Elliott fans just don't know how to think. This has nothing to do with Chase or his fans or anything. And Chase's response to it was phenomenal. They said, how do you feel about that? And he said, oh, God, guys, I'm going to lose a lot of sleep. I probably won't even be able to sleep tonight. And guess what? My fans, they, they don't care. So I was proud of the way Chase kind of shot back at him. But Hamlin, keep your mouth shut. You're not going to win a championship. You're just going to be that guy that always gets to the end, and that's it. So those are my two cents on Hamlin. Yeah, I thought it was a little desperate. Kind of, It was like one of those things that's like, tell me you're a loser without telling me you're a loser. And I'll tell you this, if he would have not made the championship Final Four because of that, I would 100% respect everything he did, even interrupting celebration. But you're in the Final Four, Hamlin, so why are you that mad that you didn't get a grandfather clock? You're in the Final Four. Time to go get a championship, but instead, you just pissed Bowman off. So how do you think Bowman's going to race him Sunday? If he needs to get around Bowman, Bowman's going to do whatever he can to make it difficult just because of how he reacted to him. The last thing you want to do going into a championship race is have drivers that are not on your team and don't have an opportunity to win a championship not like you right now. Bad move, Hamlin. It's like he just doesn't, like, get it. You know what I mean? Like, some people in life just don't get certain things. And it's like, that's Denny Hamlin. You know what I mean? Like, why would you upset somebody that, I don't it just, yeah, it, it's just mind-boggling to me why why he would do that. Um, I'm actually trying to find the prop right now. Driver props were, they had this, someone posted a picture of it, and it was like, maybe this is it. It's like, Am I a hack? And it's had it had a head to head between Bauman and uh, what's his face Hamlin, and the name That's of the hilarious. the name of the bet was Am I a hack? It may have been taken down because it was on FanDuel, and I don't see it right now. So maybe maybe it was taken down by uh, it was on DraftKings. Excuse me, it was on DraftKings. So maybe DraftKings ended up t- no is. He's a hack. 
Alex Bowman to finish ahead of Denny Hamlin, plus 290. He's a hack. Alex Bowman to finish in top five, and Denny Hamlin to finish outside of top five, plus 1,200. That's awesome. I mean, dude, like, he it's he's a hack. Hamlin to finish out Hamlin to finish top five and Bowman to finish outside of top five. You know, that's it's, comical. It's it's actually kind of funny. So, um, now let's jump into the race. Um, I'm looking at it. The first person I want to knock in and guys, these odds are via FanDuel. We're using Fan. No, we're using yeah, we're using FanDuel today. Um, Truex plus 490. The reason I want to use Truex, he won in Phoenix here during the during the spring. He's won at similar tracks of Martinsville and Richmond, you know, and he's racing for the win. I know his practice time wasn't the best, but I definitely want to lock lock him in. Who's uh who's your first bet? That's going to be your championship driver. I got to ride with my boy Chase. The guy started dead last last season at Phoenix, drove all the way through the field, won, and I believe the last five races have been won by a championship driver. You all, everybody that's listening, you all know that we normally don't like to take odds this low, but you have to pick one of the four championship contenders as one of your go-to this week, period, and then start sprinkling, which I'll let you lead into that on who you're wanting to start there. Um. The first person I want to start start here, no secret, I've been on this guy way, 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 way too much this year, and that's been no other than Kevin Harvick. I got Kevin Harvick at 34 to 1. That's risking a half U to get 17 U back. Um, He's just historically has been great here. Seven wins, 10 top two finishes. Now, I know, like, the last couple years, he hasn't done as well at Phoenix, and this this season has been a complete shit show. But you know, it is Harvick. I am betting a little bit of the name and the history, and even though I know it hasn't been there, but at these odds, I think it's juiced up, like you said, because the top four are taking all the money. Have Harvick thirty four to one locked and loaded for me, my friend. Who is uh, who is your next one? I'm gonna roll with Ryan Blaney who I think still should have made the championship. We did fade him because we called it. He was going to get into a mess and wasn't going to be able to make it. So I'm going to ride with Blaney, who was also first in uh, practice on a 43-lap run. So uh, I'm going to start with Blaney as uh, I believe he's, what, 33-1? to 34-1 to is also. So him and Harvick, we both have him at 34-1. to um, My next one is... Brad Kozlowski, he's currently at 32 to 1. He's had three top fives here. Um, he did good in the info you sent me about fastest times. He had the fastest lap time. And, you know, this is his last race in the Penske automobile. You know, maybe it's just me trying to be sentimental, him going out on top. I think there is some value there because I think he does want to win one last time for Penske before he leaves to go over to his new ride. Um, so, yeah, plus 3,200. I think that's too juicy. And let's not forget, I really think he should be in here. I think he effed up by not making it to the final four. He's had a good year. So, yeah, 32 to 1, I locked him in. Yeah, I like him uh, as well. So I will actually have him on my card and ride that bet with you. My next guy after that, who I believe was eighth or ninth fastest, I don't think his chances of winning 
are long, but I also don't think he's on a short short list that we would pick. But I'm loving uh, – no, I'm sorry. The guy was third fastest in practice, and his odds are 150 or 125 to 1, and that's Matty D. He had some controversial comments after what uh, on the internet, which he deleted his Twitter account. He was almost defending Kyle Busch for using the R word in an interview after they announced Kyle Busch was going to have to do sensitivity training before the 2022 season. So after something like that happened and not winning a race this season, Matty D, I think the only opportunity for him to be able to even get into a ride next year or a decent competitive ride is by pulling off a victory at Phoenix. So okay. I'm going to ride with him in a Penske car at 125 to 1. Uh, that's funny. That's actually my guy, too. I locked him in. I didn't know about the uh, the tweet he deleted. That's pretty interesting. What uh, what what was the, the wording of the tweet? He just... So, I don't remember it verbatim, but basically what he was saying is once there was a post on Twitter, now he actually deleted his entire Twitter account. Um, once they announced that Kyle Busch was going to have to do sensitivity training, he made some sort of comment about this world and how everybody takes stuff too seriously and it wasn't even that bad and so on and so forth, which whether you agree or disagree with the word that was said, you cannot go on social media and post how you truly feel about it. Um, you, you, you just you, you can't, especially as a pro athlete. There's no reason. I don't see how these guys don't sit there and think, you know what, I probably shouldn't put this on here because it can be taken in such a negative way. But he did, then deleted the Twitter account. So, again, I'm, I'm riding with him mainly because I don't think he's going to be in a decent ride next year, one, unless he gets a win. And, I mean, if you're going to tweet something how you feel, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I think that's awful that Bush said it. I think it's – I don't agree with what uh, – Matty D had to say, don't get me wrong about that, but if you're going to, like, be a pro athlete and you want to say something, like, pull a Durant. Have, like, 50 burner accounts and just use the burner account. You know, like, I don't know. Just, it was just, especially, like, you don't have a fucking ride for next year, dude. You got to start fucking thinking, man. So his PR person had to flip. Yeah, I mean. If I was his PR person and saw that tweet, I'd be like, what are you doing? Because now... Certain people are not going to want you, regardless of your driving ability. Now they're going to look at you as a cancer based off of your comments. Yeah. And it's not something that happened at the beginning of the season. It happened at the very last week of racing. So you have no way of proving yourself after this week. So it's just a bad move for Matty D. I've always been a huge Matty D fan solely because he is a local boy here in North Carolina. He doesn't come from a glamorous, rich life. Um, he, he's just—he used to drive the '99 car, which didn't have good equipment. Like the kid's a grinder, and uh, he's very down to earth, very uh, likable, all the above. So I've always been a fan of his. I, I do not agree with his comment that he made on Twitter, but again. I'm going to roll with him, and I think the one other guy that I'm just going to slide in there that's been pretty competitive all season but haven't been able to come through completely is Tyler Reddick and the only reason I want to jump on that is he's 70 to 1 and I think that's some of the highest odds we've seen on Tyler Reddick all season yeah 
I, yeah, I and like that it. one. I don't have anything behind it. I don't have any true reasoning. He has been competitive most of the season, and he's seventy to one. I like it. I, I'm just pissed. I can't bet Lajoy top twenty one more time. I mean, God fucking damn it, dude. Is it not there? Well, dude, he's like, well, he's at what is he? At? I just like he's at plus one fifty. I can't do that. I want my. Um, Le- I want my LaJoy plus four hondo. That's my bet. And I mean, that's why you guys got to have like different sports books. Like DraftKings, they're the only ones that's offering this uh, top 20 bets. And I mean, I was, I think he, I bet it four times at plus 400 and he won three, he won three out of four. So yeah, I just. Speaking of multiple books, I just cut you off. Sorry about that. Um, Speaking of multiple books. You you have a point because right now you can take all these odds on the driver. If you guys go to Bovada right now, which this isn't live, at 6.27 p.m. Eastern time, there are zero odds up for the NASCAR race because they qualify at 7. So they had the odds up before. I personally dropped the ball and wasn't able to grab my guys on Bovada when I wanted to, so I had to roll over to DraftKings uh, or FanDuel. But you have to have multiple books because some odds will stay up, some will go away, and some will be drastically different than others. So if you have multiple books, you hit the higher odds and you keep it running. Now, let's hammer out these uh, driver props. Uh, Byron, Kyle Busch. Kyle. Uh, Matty D, Chastain. Matty D. Bubba, Eric Jones. Eric. Almirillo, Reddick. Logano, Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Truex, Hamlin. Hamlin. Blaney, Harvick. Blaney. Briscoe, Cluster. Briscoe. Bowman, Kurt Busch. Bowman. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. (sighs) You would do that to me on the final week. Since I'm betting Chase on my card, I'm going Larson head-to-head. Group winner. Byron, Kyle, Joey, Brad. Brad. Blaney, Reddick, Bowman, Almarello. Blaney. Uh, that's weird. But what's Blaney? Minus what? Blaney's plus 210, Bowman plus 230, Reddick 320, Almarello 340. Uh, guys, hammer that with Blaney, please. Number one, or... Not number one. He was, he was, uh, he was up there in practice for sure. Yeah, he was the fastest speed in one lap. So yes, Hammer Blaney at that plus two ten. Maddie D, Chastain, Dylan, Bubba, Maddie, uh, Jones, Suarez, Bush, Briscoe. Is that Kurt Bush? That is Mister Kurt Bush. I will roll with Mister Kurt Bush. Um. Next one. When do we hit our bottom feeders? I know it's coming. Where are we at here? I just, dude, I'm sorry, man. My iPad just went blank. Um, We have, did we do the Bubba Wallace one yet? No, we yes. didn't. We did? Oh, no. Maddie D, Chastain, Dylan, Bubba? We did, Maddie. Uh, Jones, Busher, Suarez, Briscoe? Jones, Busher, Suarez, Briscoe. I like Busher on that one. Cole Cluster, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 
Michael McDowell, and Ryan Newman. Ricky. Now, this is probably the best one and the last yeah, here one. here comes. Corey LaJoy, Ryan Penz, Alfredo, or Justin Haley? Give me Corey LaJoy. LaJoy. Since we're not touching him in the top 20, let's roll with him in the group. I'll tell you what. like I, I just kind of feel like he's baby money, so I got I, I to gotta take him in that one, dude. So. Yes. What is he's even money? Nah, two hundred. Uh, Ryan, the next one at two thirty. Alfredo Sauce, three fifty, and uh, Mister Talladega, Justin Haley, three fifty. Yeah, give me, give me, uh, give me good old LaJoy for the last go around. So, Brandon, man, you know it's gonna be a little weird not uh, talking NASCAR with you for the next uh, couple weeks. As this is the last week, maybe uh, next week you can come on. We can kind of do like a seasonal review thing or or something, kind of like yeah. And then we can uh, we can for the until February comes around, we can place our bets and, and go ahead and talk uh, field hockey. <laughs> field hockey. Um, <laughs> so you got some big things happening in your life with your eye racing and everything. Um, but before I get into that, you know, just want to thank you. You know, coming on week after week giving your time, providing winners. I definitely appreciate that. I know the people that listen definitely appreciate it for everything you've done. Um, I've got a lot of po- positive feedback on you. Um, you got a lot of stuff going on with your iRacing. Um, why don't you tell everyone, A, how, like, what's going on with that? When does your season start? All that stuff. So season for Road to Pro doesn't start until March, but uh, good things have come. Picked up some more sponsorship. Uh, apparels still being processed because some some uh, sponsorships have changed, but in a positive way, so they're having to reprint a lot of stuff. Um, I've been on and off eye racing for the last couple of weeks due to, due to personal reasons, but um, jumped on last a uh, couple nights ago for the first time running the new Phoenix that I've never ran before, and uh, qualified third, led 20 laps, and won the race, so that felt good. Actually beat Ross Chastain in that race, so that was a little plug that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, things are going good. So guys, please, if you get a chance, give me a follow, Boston Boy eighty three on Instagram, Boston Boy eighty three on Twitch, to where you can watch it live, uh, be a part of the all the in car communication, everything that's going on on iRacing and on uh, off the post Boston Sports on Instagram. Which again, due to a lot of personal reasons, that page has been pretty quiet. So if you are a Boston fan, please give it a follow. More content will be coming soon. Want to give everybody a huge shout out for listening. Uh, big shout out to you for consistently bringing me on week after week. Um, no matter what happens next week, or I'm sorry, Sunday, the ROI for the entire season is phenomenal. And um, if you told me going into this that we we're going to have seven or eight winners out of a 36 week NASCAR season, I might have doubted that. But uh, we did. There were some big dogs that we grabbed and uh, excited to end the season with some positive money and uh i've enjoyed this man it's been a lot of fun looking forward to next year yeah next year you know i got some ideas for that you know you and i will talk during the off season and you know kind of go from there and just looking on on building this thing we've created uh you know wish you the best of luck and uh stay in touch my friend thanks bud everybody go cash in some winners for the final week i'd like to thank uh this week's guest dylan 
aka DC underscore sports guy, and my main man Brandon at Boston Boy eighty three. Make sure you guys check those guys out. Follow their pages. Great dudes. Make sure you support Brandon's iRacing. That's pretty cool. Got some big stuff planned. Moving forward with him for the NASCAR coverage for last year. Hell of a weekend, guys. Hell of a weekend coming up. We got Breeders' Cup today. We got college football. We have NASCAR tomorrow, NFL. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Please like, subscribe, leave a review. Positive, negative, whatever you guys want to say. Anything is greatly appreciated. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next time, guys.